because it's it's really like in the classical sense for me it's more about the journey not so much about actually reaching an end point yeah so overall geneva is really it's a haven for culture nice. i highly recommend it to anybody but in terms of daily planning i have to admit i keep it very wide open because it, it always depends a lot on what or who I meet on the road as well. That was a very stage manager answer. I'm proud of you. <laughs> You're prepared. You're ready to, to adjust. To the, and when you don't know, you ask. Oh, we're good. Welcome to the Theatre Art Live podcast, and hello. We're putting the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the globe, the culture creators, the backstage masters. My name is Ana Aguilera. This is another of our COVID specials. On this episode, we're back talking to Liam Clank about Step for Circus and his days on the trail. This is an initiative to bring circus professionals back to what they do best. And as we promised, we will be following him through his experience until he gets us back to work. So I wonder, how are we doing? Are we back to work yet? <laughs> How are you, Liam? Welcome to the show. Uh, hello, Anna. Uh, I'm good. I'm not back to work yet, no. I am actually also writing applications from on the trail, but so far, no luck. Yeah, so it's still being on the trail at the moment. I'm in Geneva, just uh, finished hiking the first leg, basically, from the Zurich area to here. And I think last time we talked, I was in Biel. That's correct. Yeah, and that was so, a few days ago. Like, yeah, it was yeah, July not, 16 and today is August 6th. So. Oh, wow. 20 days ago already. Okay. Uh, that's, that passed faster than, I, than it felt. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, I had to stop a few days in Biel, uh, which was very nice because it's a very picturesque little place at the lake. And then I went back on the trail. And uh, that was a pretty hard part of the trail, I have to admit, because it got super cold up in the mountains. And it was all on the Jura Crest Trail, which, um, which really like follows the, what it says, like it really follows the mountain crest. And so you, you're always yo-yoing up and down from like five, 600 meters altitude to about 1,600 meters. And that was extremely beautiful and very painful <laughs> because it was, <laughs> it was really bad for my feet, especially down with the heavy backpack on my shoulders. It just puts a lot of extra pressure on your feet and knees. And then all of a sudden, one of my toes got really badly infected. So that's why I then, when I, when I reached Geneva, I stopped. Built to Geneva is what, about 100 kilometers? That was about 100 kilometers, yeah. So altogether, it's from where I first started out in book. It's now been 200 kilometers. Nice. Are you happy? Yeah, yeah. I've never done that before. So I'm, I mean, altogether, if I end up doing the entire path that I wanted to do, then I will end up doing 3,500 kilometers. So 200 doesn't sound like much, but I'm super happy with that already. That's very good. <laughs> Baby steps, which make me yeah. think of Step for Circus. So where are we at? How's Step for Circus going? Yes, Step for Circus. At the moment, we're still a bit in the beginning of the initiative. 
we also realized we need to widen our scope a little bit and because initially we we thought we would focus on helping social circus companies but we've realized since everybody in the circus community is pretty much out of work at the moment and trying to find ways to continue and and find new work conditions to work with under covid-19 restrictions etc so it's a hard time for all of us and we're still working on making everything a bit more clear but the idea is really to try and collect funds and then help bring at least a few members of the circus community back to work and just do something positive and help you know help initiate positive change yeah i like all circus as social circus yeah at the moment it is yeah definitely well maybe it is in general yeah but definitely in this situation yeah we're all we're all in in the same boat so you're now in your geneva stop and mm-hmm. it was supposed to be a two day stop but it's mm-hmm. been very productive <laughs> can you tell us about it Yeah actually my time here in Geneva has been quite crazy I mean it it started crazy in a very good way uh it started when I arrived at my friend's place here who when I arrived all of a sudden asked me if I'm afraid of snakes and I'm like <laughs> no why and it turns out he lives on top of a, of a, a vivarium uh a snake conservatory And in this house where I'm sitting right now there's about 1000 snakes. <laughs> so oh, exciting. That, that, yeah, that was very interesting um already. And then Geneva, it's just to be honest, I've never been here before. This is my first time. And I always because it's it's so closely connected with all these organizations like like, you know, the WHO and 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 all other all kinds of other international organizations i always depicted it as a a city that's filled with businessmen and politicians and people running around in suits so when i arrived here i was very surprised because that's certainly part of it but there's an extremely large cultural element here and sort of like an off-scene underground element as well there's so many artists and so many places that that have a lot of soul and a very good energy And one place in particular that I discovered and spent a lot of time in is the Bad Epaki which is a sort of a bath and in the winter it's also a sauna and Turkish bath at the lake and it's I think it's been it was established 1860 even around that time and then many times I think the rich hotels that along the lakefront wanted to take the place over and built an expensive pool there and all kinds of things but somehow the initiative who works there they always manage to keep it in their hands and so it's also one of the i mean geneva is one of the most expensive cities in all of switzerland and that place is one of the cheapest places like entrance fee is 2 francs and then you go inside you have the mont blanc that beautiful mountain in the background you have the whole lake in the background and then people just swim there or sit there there's a restaurant where you can get extremely wonderful brunch and breakfast and food throughout the day actually for almost no money at all and uh, there's lots of cultural events as well like at the moment in Bad Epaki 
They do something I've never seen before, although I'm sure it's done in other places along the world, uh, in the world as well, probably. They do, uh, they call it Les Aubes. It's a series of concerts. They are all done at sunrise. And so they start at 6 a.m. And then they have music from all over the world, like every day something else. Like two days ago, it was yodeling. Then, then the next day, it was chants from the Balkan. And then, uh, then it's something, I don't know, from Mongolia. And then it's some traditional Swiss music. So they, they really do amazing things there. And what really surprised me was how many people show up. Yeah, at 6 a.m., right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, one friend of mine here, he told me that basically there's two types of people in Geneva. There is those that don't even go to bed. They just party the night through so they can go to the concert in the morning. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then there's the organized ones that set their alarm clock and then go there. <laughs> but everyone goes. <laughs> yeah, pretty much a lot of people go. Yeah, it's quite amazing. And it's always full in that place. I also, I spend the entire week trying to uh, make connections in the performance world here in, in Geneva. And because my goal was to write some articles for Theatre Art Life about it. And I, I focused on two people in particular. One of them I wrote an article about was uh, Thomas Schumke. He is a German guy, actually, and the performance artist who's been in Geneva for 25 years. And um, he was a very interesting and colorful personality to, to interview. He had so many interesting thoughts and ideas. And he usually does solo performances. And I think during the COVID lockdown, he was trying to do a performance and almost got arrested <laughs> because he was, he was uh, trying to like, basically mark a square in the street close to where his home is so that he would be socially distanced enough. <laughs> and it was the, the square was two by two meters. And then he was standing in the center of that and wanted to start performing. And then the police came and basically took him away. And I think he was fined 750 Swiss francs in the end. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, quite expensive. The other person I, I interviewed, uh, his name was Guillaume, and he is from Brazil and also arrived in Geneva 30 years ago. And at first he was a dancer for the Geneva Ballet for 10 years. And then he wanted to, he was very much on the search for meaning in dance. And for him, there was just not enough meaning. It felt very superficial and as if the dancing he was doing for the different productions was not really connected to his person. So he decided to open his own dance com uh, company. It's called Elias. And they are very successful. Actually, they're also touring through Europe and focus on contemporary dance. And yeah, in the next few days, I think uh, uh, you'll be able to find the article on Theater Art Life as well about that. Cool. So we'll yeah. be looking for those articles soon. Yeah, so overall, Geneva is really, it's a haven for culture. Nice. I highly recommend it to anybody. Maybe we can start doing some circus there too. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Not at 6 a.m. though. <laughs> <laughs> Although people would probably show up here. With, <laughs> I don't know if we would have enough technicians at 6 a.m., to be honest. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah, as a stage manager, I always also wonder if I would want to work at 6 a.m. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> but I'm so happy there's someone that doesn't. <laughs> so you're getting ready to get back on the road. Yes. Um, I'm actually I'm packing at this moment and uh, because my toe it, uh, is finally with the help of lots and lots of antibiotics cream back on track. And so I'm going to start walking again tomorrow and I will cross the border into France finally tomorrow. And then uh, it's, well, depends if I manage to go all the way through France, it'll be probably two months on the trail. I think over 1,000 kilometers. As you said that, the only thing that like, comes to my mind is two months of good cheese. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and good wine. You know, I have this vision in my head of sitting in my tent in the evening with a little bottle of wine and a little <laughs> cheese and a little bread. Yeah, I might end up being more fat after this hike than I was before I started it. <laughs> but happier. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, especially especially if it also leads to, you know, like, I don't know, whatever it leads to, something good, hopefully. <laughs> no, and, and France will be very lovely, I think, also landscape-wise. And I will, con because I will go through the Rhone Valley and then the Vercourt Mountains and then pretty much cut through in the south, like all the way south, which will be very, very nice. And also what I will continue doing on the way is I want to really see and stop wherever I find performers or wherever I find cultural places or little theater venues or, or circus groups or anything. And I want to stop and interview people and kind of function as a foreign correspondent for theater <laughs> art life and just bring these little, you know, pieces of cultural, like cultural pearls, you know, from Central Europe. That's very exciting. Yeah. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> so, I'm curious, how do you plan a day on the trail? Or how is it today when you go out? Like when I started out, I, I mean, I did enough planning in the sense that I know where my trail that I've picked goes through. I'm basically at the moment always staying on the E4. It's one of the European long distance trails. And here it followed the uh, hiking path five in Switzerland, which is the Jura Crest Trail. And now in France, it goes on to the Grand Randonnée, which is the GR9, I think, uh, the first part of one of their big hiking trails. So I know basically where I need to go through. But in terms of daily planning, I have to admit, I keep it very wide open because it, it always depends a lot on what or who I meet on the road as well. And then if there is, you know, someone I want to talk to or do an interview with, then I do that. Also, yeah, I was really thinking it's one of those things, you know, it's this enforced break that I'm taking, like so many people at the moment and being unemployed. And I really miss work and everything. But it's also now. Me too. Yeah, I really, I really miss being backstage so much. It's crazy. Sometimes I'm. I'm here in Geneva. I was telling people about my work and I was getting so nostalgic. I was like, oh my God, I need to get back. <laughs> but, but I was also, you know, when I, I mean, I really made this conscious decision at one point where I was, okay, instead of being depressed at home and just being in the internet all the time, searching for things and kind of vegetating on my couch, I'll just really do this project and go for a long hike because it's something I'll probably never be able to do again. 
for this long amount of time. So basically trying to use the, the time wisely that, that now just sort of is there. But because of that, I'm also feeling on a daily basis, you know, I'll just take my time. Because it's, it's really like in the classical sense for me, it's more about the journey, not so much about actually reaching an end point. So I usually, I mean, in the morning, it's still quite cold. So I get up relatively early and stumble out of my tent and then I start walking. And, uh, but because I do have tent and everything with me, I'm so free. So if at some point, like my feet hurt too much or I see a really beautiful place or I just have had enough for that day, it can be that I stop after four hours somewhere or I stop after nine hours. It, it fluctuates a lot. That's nice. And it has been all the, the social distancing and mass situation because already what you've done crossing Switzerland is one of, it's a very diverse country, culturally speaking. And if we add on top all the COVID situation and how do people react, how, how has it been for you to see that and experience that? <laughs> yeah, that's been very interesting. <laughs> it's just, it was really changing from one moment to the next, wherever I went. And um, like in the Zurich area where I first started, people were very like relaxed about everything nobody really paid it much mind and there were no face masks or anything and the only thing that i noticed was people did not hug and kiss like they usually do and there was no shaking of hands nothing they they kept their distance but, uh, but otherwise everything seemed like normal and then i got more into the countryside and there it was a bit paradox because as i hiked from one little mountain hut to the next each mountain hut dealt with it differently Like in, I would say, two-thirds of the places, you wouldn't even know COVID existed. No masks, nobody mentioned it, no hand sanitizers, nothing. I, was, I went to a few places where they had these mass uh, dormitories, and there were really people who were literally sleeping pile on top of each other, and there was really no, no measures taken whatsoever. And then you would get, get to another hut, and that would maybe be owned by a very paranoid farmer. And then this guy would run after you with the disinfectant bottle and be like, oh my God, you just touched that. Let me clean that. You know? and it's like, but so that was constantly actually on the way that was changing. Also, a lot of the, that was actually difficult for finding food and water. A lot of the restaurants and mountain huts that are usually open were closed. And then when I got to Geneva, that was a totally different planet again. And within Geneva, it was a bit absurd because, for for example, the Bain de Paki, where everybody is mingling, they had very strict rules enforced that you have to keep your distance as you stand in line to get a ticket to get in. So there's these lines on the floor where you have the two-meter distance and everybody's supposed to wear their masks. And they're all very disciplined. They're all doing it. And then they buy their tickets. And the second they walk through the gate into that beautiful area on the lake where they can sit and chat with each other, they just take off the mask and everybody sits right next to each other and hugs each other and kisses each other. And it's like, it makes totally no sense. Uh, but uh, one thing I noticed was like, here people are very conscious about the the social distancing in a way that they, they still want to connect with each other on a, in a, on a physical basis. So they've come up with 
odd new little ways of of shaking hands like instead they touch their elbows or they touch their arms and the funny thing is that often when you meet people they will actually ask you what you want to do and then you just sort of say oh okay let's touch elbows and then you touch elbows so it's 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 very strange but it's it's kind of endearing because you can see that they want to to still find a way to interact with each other but they want it to be safe I feel like that speaks a lot about human nature and our need to connect with people, not only, yes, yes virtually, yes, social distancing, but also that part of us that it's still, you know, a little animal, yeah. <laughs> somehow yes. very physical. But I also feel it's very interesting and I wonder how, how it's going to affect or how it's going to make a difference in people's lives when you make this act of saying hello way more conscious than you used to yes. I don't know like for me you know we've we've seen this and as people that have traveled and lived in different places you it's always stressful because people come and say hi and they greet you and they greet you as they do but for you there's not unusual so you never know how to you learn to adapt but it's always that little awkward moment where you don't know if you have to kiss on the right kiss on the left yeah. one two three kisses a hug, a handshake, you know, a very firm yeah. handshake, a very loose handshake. And then now that people have to actually, but it, it for most people, it's just something that, that happens. It's like saying, how are you? And they say, fine, even if they're not, or you say fine, even if you're not. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then just making this act very conscious saying, I am with this person and I want to say hello and I want to have a very specific interaction with this person and I'm going to ask if that person is okay with that. I think that's yeah. interesting. Very much, isn't it? But it's only, on, really only in Geneva I've experienced that so far. You know, like in, in the rest of the places, either people acted as if COVID-19 doesn't exist or they didn't touch each other at all. They just left all those parts of the greetings you know to the side and just didn't do it and here it's really this very conscious dealing with it which i kind of like yeah because you're not so helpless <laughs> you know you don't stand there like an idiot and you're like am i allowed to hug this person now or not or what do i do now do i say something do i extend my hand do i not and, and you know it's like this it's really nice but i've been taken aback a few times when people ask so directly and I'm like, uh, 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 I don't know, uh, because I just didn't expect the question at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. Did you in the, in the United States, did you ever experience something like that, that, uh, so far that people were actually asking how um, to. I've had it with masks a lot. Like, okay. If like, you know, it's my closer group of friends, but they're like, as you know, I moved recently and I used to interact with my friends whenever outdoors and you have a lot of room, but then it was getting into a place, then moving things out and go into another place. And I yeah. thought that was very nice. Like people still helped. They volunteered to help. I didn't even ask them, which was wonderful. Yeah. And then they'll come and say, I'll put my mask or do you want me to to wear the mask indoors. Are you okay if I take mm. my mask off when we're outdoors? Oh, that's and we're... nice. Yes. So that was, that was pretty, pretty nice. And then it's, it's kind of cool as well. Like some, I'm not the usual hugger or I'm not 
big into physical contact. That doesn't mean that I don't appreciate it. It's just different, I guess. And um, I've had one or two people like being very grateful for whatever or that they want to hug and the way they stand and they look at you like asking for permission, maybe not with words, <laughs> but like, and, and yes, it's so awkward because by nature, I'm not exactly very physical. <laughs> and then with all this going on, it's, it gets even yeah. more awkward, but it's interesting to see that process in people's uh, heads. Yeah, it's actually very thoughtful. Yeah, you know, we're like trying to adapt, all of us, and just make it as smooth as yeah. possible. But I don't yeah. know if it's a city thing versus a countryside thing, or yeah, maybe we're just used to be around people as creatives and people in the arts, and then you're used to... We're also used to, you know, dealing with different cultures and stuff, so we're more open yeah. to this kind of dialogue. Yeah, it's true. I'm curious in France how it will be now. Because I'll get through a few towns, I think, as well, on, that are on the hike. And, but also, like, uh, just really forest areas. And, and I'm curious how people will interact there and how conscious they will be and if, if things have changed there. Because usually French people are very big kissers. So <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's see how that goes. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. going to be interesting. But they have been affected very badly as well. So yes, I think yeah, it's already have. a little trauma there in the, in the cultural yeah. collective. And I think all over Europe at the moment, uh, the, the numbers are going up again because of the summer. Because people are just spending a lot more time outside and in close quarters with other people. And it's not an extreme rise in numbers, but it's a rise. It's also like it's just been the lockdowns were lifted not that long ago, right? Yeah, yeah, not that long ago. But here they've just gotten a bit more strict again. Like now, until about three, four days ago in Geneva, they said you only have to uh, wear your mask when you go inside mm -hmm. somewhere. And now they have... I mean, it's not a direct order, but it's it's a recommendation, relatively serious recommendation to also wear your mask when you're outside if you're in close proximity to people. How do you know what do you have to do, mask-wise and social distancing-wise? I'm I just always have a mask in my pocket, even in the forest, to be honest, and and then I just adapt, you know. And and if I'm not sure, I just ask. And it's, so far, it's yeah, it's always been good so far, you know. And even language-wise, I mean, I speak a little bit of French. It's just not that great. And when I get stuck, I just ask them if they speak English, and usually they do. Thank God. And so <laughs> then I <laughs> then it's fine. You know? <laughs> That was a very stage manager answer. I'm proud of you. <laughs> You're prepared. You're ready to, to adjust to the... <laughs> and when you don't know, you ask. Oh, very good. Yeah, I, my, my whole bag is full of things. I even have disinfectant wipes and and yeah, little little first aid kit and everything like yeah, I think I think you can't shake the stage manager even if you're somewhere in the middle of a hiking path. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, thank you all so much for your time, and uh, I'm looking forward to catch up next time in France, since it's not in thank French. You. Well, at least in France. <laughs> yeah, well, we can do a little bit of French. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> and if the rest will appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's stick with English. No, <laughs> thanks so much for your time as well. And yeah, until next time. <laughs>
please write our review on our podcast, whatever you listen to your podcast, and let your friends know about us. You can learn more about Theater Art Live by visiting our website at www.theaterartlive.com. And you can also follow us on social media and leave your questions and comments on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest, Twitter, or YouTube. We want to thank David Sire for composing the music for our podcast and Michelle Scherata, who is our sound engineer. We are your hosts, Anna and Anna, and this is the Theatre Art Life podcast, where we put the spotlight on those who create live entertainment around the world.